Welcome back to a new episode of the All Things Croatia podcast. I'm your host, Stan Kozovac. Born and raised in Los Angeles, I'm now living in Zagreb and studying the Croatian language. Before we start, just do me a favor and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening, as well as the Facebook and Instagram page. In this series, I'll be talking with people both in the homeland and around the globe who have connections to Croatia. We'll hear from startups, returning diaspora, musicians and athletes, and the biggest Croatian celebrities that will return my calls. But enough about me. Idemo dalje, and let's get started. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. In this episode, our special guest is Jelko Jergan. Uh, Jelko is a renowned choreographer and teacher of dance throughout the world. Originally from Varaždin, he performed in Lado, the Croatian, the Croatian National Folk Ensemble, and then moved to the U.S. He now shares his in-depth knowledge and style in teaching Croatian folk dancing as he travels around the world to spread the culture and traditions of Croatian dance. Jelko, thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm glad to be with you. Um, now, I want to start this off by saying, you know, I don't know too much about the uh, Croatian traditional dances. Uh, growing up, my older sister got to go. We have a church in downtown Los Angeles, Croatian church, and my older sister got to go to those classes. But I guess my parents got tired of driving her. So when I was old enough, they didn't take me. So I never got to, uh, you know, do colo or anything like that. But I want to I wanted to start off by asking, is Kolo, I don't even know, is that just like one style of dance or is that the entire like Croatian traditional dance? Yeah, well, Kolo, it's mostly like international word and, you know, everybody's using Kolo as a like a circle dance, like a folklore stuff. But, you know, what, uh, personally, I don't use ever Kolo as a folklore, but most of the people on the American continent around the world, they use Kolo. Um, one thing is, you know, uh, yeah, you see, if you, your parents were not uh, tired to drive you to Los Angeles church, I will probably teach you because I'm teaching over there for like last 27 years. Ah, I'm yeah, yeah. a choreographer for the Colo group, St. Anthony's, and uh, yeah, I'm enjoying this tremendously. And so this is it, Colo, it's, Colo, actually translates just as a circle dance, but doesn't mean folklore. I mm. call, I love to call, I like to call folklore dancing or folklore art, folklore traditions and stuff like that. I see. Okay. Okay. And we'll get into that a little bit more in depth later on. But, you know, first of all, I wanted to ask just a little bit about your background. You know, you were born in Varaždin. What was, uh, what was growing up in Varaždin like for you? Yeah, I was born in Varaždin a long, long time ago, and um, as most of the kids in my my time, uh, just to do something through the winter months and stuff like that, we joined the folklore groups. And this was like, Varaždin at that time had like a five or folklore groups, and they were very active. And then most, a lot of us went to the music school. And so this is why I decided to uh, attend a very famous Varaždin music school. And uh, this was, that, that was my beginnings, you know. I was going to the folklore twice a week. I was going to music school two, two three times a week to take classes. And actually that helped me tremendously in my future life uh, teaching because I read the music and, um, yeah, because I think 
To be a colo teacher, let's call colo teacher, uh, you, if you read the music and if you can understand the music, makes much, much, much simpler for me and for my students. Mm, I see. And so how old were you so, when you first started doing those start, during the winters? I was seven mm. and six or seven. And this was like, uh, yeah, yeah. And the, when eight, I started to go into the music school. And it was kind of challenging because uh, because I couldn't read properly, you know, and then I have to know the notes and, you know, listen. But it was a wonderful program. And yeah, and I was doing this dancing in uh, several different groups in Varajdin for like a couple years. So I was not one group, like after a year, it was not enough for me. So then I started to take going to other group. And then I was having like four times a week uh, folklore and it was just getting more and more so I was doing this until I was um, 15 and then when I was 15 I started to be assistant dance instructor in one of the groups in Varajden and then uh, I was doing this until I was 18 and after 18 I came to Zagreb to uh, university of, for it, to be an architect and um, Somebody stopped me, my, my colleague from Varajdin stopped me, who was a member of the State Ensemble Lado, asked me if I would like to go to Lado. And I said, you know what, I'm studying, you know, like, uh, I don't have time for that. It's architecture, it's very, very demanding university. And Lado was going on tour to Eastern Germany and Russia, and they need guys. So I just, he asked me if I can come for audition. So I came to Lado and you know what Lado was like, for me was like something that I was just dreaming about. And you know what, it's interesting, let me go a little bit back. You know, the first time I saw Lado when I was seven years old in Croatian theater in Varaždin. And I turned to my father and say, I said, I want to do this one day. And my father just looked at me and said, uh -huh, okay, we'll <laughs> see. And, you know, believe it or not, you know, one day I did surprise him with that, you know, like he saw me on TV. And mm. then he asked my mother, what is he doing on TV? He's supposed to be in university. But you know what, as I said, you know, they asked me to come for audition to Lado. And first time I came to the building of Lado is behind the Croatian National Theater in Zagreb. And I walk in and they had a singing warm-ups and uh, they were singing and I got scared and I left. Wow. You know, I really did, you know, this was just stupid. But you know what, when you're 18 and you hear these beautiful voices, I just left the building, you know, and then my friend called me and said, what happened? And said, can you come again? And a week later, I came back for audition and this was it, you know, seven or days or 10 days later, I started to be like, uh, start coming to rehearsals in Lado in the morning, afternoon, went to university. And um, a month later, we went on tour to East Germany and Russia, Soviet Union at that time. And this was it, you know, and I just, I just couldn't believe that I, I, I was outside member of Lado, not the I, I didn't have a contract yet. And about a year later, um, uh, my 
professor in the university, they were asking me, so colega Jergan, you're gonna dance or you're gonna uh, study? Because in that time, Lado traveled a lot, a lot, a lot, probably like 200 days a year. Wow. And so, and then I just look at my professor and I said, you know what, I think I'm gonna dance. And this was it. I was hooked for the rest of my life in working very, very hard, like in Lado, five hours a day, we had rehearsals. Afternoon, I will go to the Zagreb Ballet uh, because they need guys also at that time. So I danced with the, the ballet company in Zagreb. Then at night, you know, I was dancing with uh, studio for the modern dance with Tihana Skrinjaric. Uh, so we danced on the TV shows with the, following the singers and stuff like that. And this was it. So with 19, when I was 19, 19 and a half, my path in my life was dance for the rest of my life. And mm. this is it. And so 47 years later or so, I'm still dancing. Yeah, that's incredible. It, it, well, it sounds like, I mean, that was already a full-time job. I mean, you were doing three different dance classes already Correct. in 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I got the contract. Uh, I signed the contract uh, when I was 19, 19 and I don't know, a couple months. And so this is a full-time job. So you, mm. you're a professional dancer of the state ensemble. And all this later on, what I was doing, I was just hungry to learn more about dancing. So this is why I joined the Zagreb Ballet and the modern company. So, but yeah, I was professional dancer from 80, 74 to 86. A uh, member of Lado, I was a soloist in Lado, um, enjoyed every minute. And um, many things changed, you know, like actually, you know what, I was an artistic committee of Lado. And one day, like this was in 1984, uh, somebody came with a letter to the meeting and said, oh, we have a one girl from Pittsburgh, United States, who would, she would like to join um, company you know, just for a year to see how we work. And I look at the picture of this girl and I said, oh, I don't like it. <laughs> and I didn't like a makeup. I didn't like the style of dancing. And so I said, I'm against. So anyway, <laughs> uh, to make come to the end of this story, two, three months later, <clears throat> my good friend, Alexandra teacher came to my dressing room and said, oh, remember this girl from America said, you said you didn't like it. She's here. You have to come see her. And I said, okay. And by the way, she grabbed me from my arm and she took me across the dance hall. And, you know, when I saw her, I said, wow, she was gorgeous. And that's my wife today. Wow. That's crazy. And did you ever, when did you end up telling her that, you know, originally you were against her coming there <laughs> until you saw her? The pro problem was this, at that time I couldn't speak any English and uh, she couldn't speak any Croatian. Mm. She could understand Croatian because she, she graduated Duquesne University Tamboritans. That's the company, that's the best dance company at that time on the American continent. And after she graduated the company, she decided to, before start to get real job, to get to Lado. And this was a dream of hers, you know, to to see the, how the company works, maybe be a part of the company. And so 
she finds some uh, president of CFU, Croatian Fraternal Union, Bernard Lukadic, helped her to get uh, entrance to Lado. So she was the first actually American, first person out of the Croatia who came to join our company and perform with company. Wow. And so, yeah, like two, three months later, you know, like we were just looking at each other, couldn't have any conversations. And uh, then it just happened, you know, to start, we start dating and uh, it was not easy. And I remember, you know, what we were going on tour to China and Japan, and I think it was 84, 85. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, you know what, her name is Cindy. I put some sentences together. I said, you know, it really, sh- sh- this will not work if we don't talk, if we cannot converse. And I said, you know what, and I was kind of like, I said, you know, when I come back from the tour, if we, if we cannot speak and to have our conversations, I think we should just let go, break up. Because we were in love, we were together, but we just couldn't get talk. And three weeks later, I landed in Zagreb airport and she said to me, Bok stari, kaksi. <laughs> and she could understand Croatian, she could speak Croatian, but she was afraid. And this was it. And then after that, everything changed. Wow. And yeah, that's... An interesting story, huh? Yeah, so the whole time then she could speak a little bit, she was yeah, just nervous. She was ans- correct, and she was answering me in English, but I was speaking to her Croatian, so it would be in two <laughs> languages. And so I, I started to learn a little bit English, and um, because in my very beginning, I just know, okay, Marlboro, and I love you. That's about <laughs> it, what I could speak. <laughs> and so that happened. So we got married in. Varaždin, like we had a civil wedding at, uh, in May 10th on 1986. And it was beautiful, whole Lado came and they sang for us. And, uh, and then um, the Lado was going on the tour in the United States and um, Canada. And she said to me, you know, when you're already on tour, because she couldn't travel with us outside of uh, Croatia, Yugoslavia at that time. So she said, how about if you come to Pittsburgh and we have a church wedding in Pittsburgh? And after my last show uh, in Montreal, uh, we flew to New York and then Lado went for Croatia, for Zagreb, and I went to Pittsburgh. And what happened, um, I did ask my director for the leave of absence, you know, so then I can have a wedding in United States, church wedding. And he was kind, he didn't let me, he didn't want to give me six months leave of absence, what I was asking for. And then I said, you know, when you were in love, you said everything. I said, you know what, I'm going to quit the company. He said, don't quit. Okay, we'll give you six months, but you have to promise you'll be back after six months. And so we have a wedding in Pittsburgh. It was beautiful. And five months later, I'm asking my wife, you know, it's time to go back to Zagreb, you know. I still had apartment in Zagreb and everything. And she said to me that she would prefer to stay in the United States. And that was the reason why I stayed here. And so you wanted to, to go back? I wanted to go back. And you know, she had also the job in Lado, like she could dance in Lado. 
But I guess when she came back, you know, to the States and family and friends and everything, she, she would prefer to stay in the United States. And that was the reason why I stay here. And then the problem started, you know, about what I'm going to do here, you know, mm -hmm. because and then she suggested to for me to finish architecture like university. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. I said, you know what? I want to dance. I want to teach because it's six months and I was here, uh, this leave of absence from Lado. I would start people learn that I'm in the country. So they were calling me. So I was traveling from one group to other group and start teaching. And so then I said to her, no, I want to teach. And, uh, and from 86 until now, I'm teaching Croatian folklore around the world. Wow. Yeah. And what was it like for you going to Pittsburgh and then living there? Were you speaking English at that point yet or no? You know, not very good. Not that I'm very good now, you know, but either. My kids always tell me that I sound worse now than I did 15 years ago. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was cultural shock for me. It was cultural shock because, you know, when I was with Lado and Zagreb Ballet and all this, when I was over there, I was really like, I didn't need a ticket to any theater in, in Yugoslavia or, or I knew the dancers around the Europe. So a year before I came here, New Year's Eve, I, I, I went to Rome, Rome to, you know, for New Year's Eve. And then when I came to Pittsburgh and stayed here and you know I went to the Croatian club called Javor and it was a cultural shock for me you know what because these people were singing songs from 50 years ago before me hmm. you understand and that was really and then I just I was very I was depressed in some time and then I decided that I have to make changes and then I gave 100% of me you know to change everything starting from Pittsburgh going around the continent and Canada, you know, and I was making changes. I was making changes. People didn't understand the difference between Croatian, Serbian, Slovenian dances and anything. And my job was just to educate them. And this is how I did. And I thought I did put over 500 choreographies on the American continent in the last 37 years. And yeah, I teached in Australia. I went a couple times over there. I'm teaching Croatian dances to non-Croatian people, to folk dance community. That, that this oh. is why I was in Japan on tour for like 11, 11 or 12 times I was in Japan on tour. And I brought some musicians, Croatian boys with me, you know, tambora players who went with me on tours. And we start a couple of tamborits orchestras in Japan, and I was teaching in Taiwan, and I was I'm teaching all over the Europe, like in um, Switzerland, Germany, Norway, Croatian dances. You know, but kind of funny to hear because I live in the United States, and they call me folk dance communities. They call me to teach in Europe, and Croatia is like from Munich. It's an hour away. Yeah, <laughs> a lot closer. But yeah. now, what is the interest for non-Croatians to learn this Croatian folklore dance? You see, uh, I think in seventies, uh, the um, uh, especially Eastern European dancing started to be popular in United States, 
And in Pittsburgh is the company called, uh, at that time was called Duquesne Junior Tambur Duquesne University Tamburizas. And my wife graduated from that company and uh, they're very, very good. That was, it was companies consist like 40 members who play, sing and dance. And they were doing all Eastern Europe. But it was started like Croatian Tamburica group ensemble. And now, like a month ago, they were just celebrating 85 years of existence. And I'm a choreographer for them now for the last 35 years. And uh, uh, Croatian, so through this company, some directors who were there, like Dick Kram, they started to teach uh, Eastern European dances in universities in the United States. And this is how Croatian dances were introduced hmm. to non-Croatians. Croatian clubs, Croatian, they, they dance Croatian dances, but non, like Americans, uh, they didn't do. And so right now the uh, folk dancing, um, it's very, very popular with, uh, in folk dance communities of Americans who are led by American people or Canada or everywhere around the world. Huh. It's a multi-million dollar business, actually. Wow. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I didn't know that and I wouldn't think that, you know, oh, unless yeah. you told it's, me. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's like I'm telling you, like, you know, it's, um, it's just a couple of us teachers who work and who can make living through teaching folk dance communities who are not that they're not ethnically connected to our backgrounds mm -hmm. so it's uh, one turkish guy one bulgarian guy me but you know what i'm lucky enough also then i i can make very very great living uh, teaching uh, croatian groups uh, around the world plus non-croatians hmm. it was not easy it was not easy you know but especially you know it, it, I always said it was not easy because it's very difficult to compete in these American um, uh, groups, dance groups, with Russian dancing, Bulgarian dancing, Turkish, they're totally different than our Croatian dances. Because nobody wants to do Dermesh for like half an hour, <laughs> do you understand? But they will do Turkish dances or Bulgarian dances. So. To compete with that different nationalities was a huge challenge. But you know what? I always recorded great music. I recorded over 11 CDs. And um, I guess, like everybody said, and when they're on dance floor with me, they could feel my love for my culture. And this is why I have a lot of followers. Hmm. Yeah, the passion is you know, the most important thing. Correct. I, I wanted if, to go. Sorry, go I wanted to go back because you mentioned that even uh, some of the Croatian communities that you were teaching were dancing a mix of like Yugoslavian styles at the time. Yes, you know, the first time in '87 when I came to the, this festival, CFU festival, Croatian Fraternal Union festival was actually happening this weekend. This was happening in Baltimore, and this is my first time I missed in 37 years. When I came to this Croatian festival, you know, like it's, that's Croatian Fraternal Union, the biggest Croatian organizations in the world. 
and they have members in Canada, United States, Europe, everywhere. And so I came to the festival and you know what? And the groups who were attending the festival, and the festival is usually 4th of July weekend, they were dancing Slovenian dancers, they were dancing a little bit Macedonian, they were dancing, playing some Serbian music. The hair was not correctly done. I lost that. I lost that. You know what? <laughs> With my broken English, you know what? I Everybody heard me. And I always said, if it's Croatian festival, present Croatian culture. If it's Serbian festival, present Serbian. If it's Bulgarian, present Bulgarian. And I started to be a little police sergeant policemen on mm -hmm. that kind of Croatian events. Because I always said, it's Croatian, place dance Croatian. The only one, like, and everybody knew this around the world, and I'm, and I, I got my respect, so people, I earned my respect, so people really follow my directions and they respect me. Mm -hmm. But in Pittsburgh is still, you know, because the Tamburitsans and I just posted something today on the Facebook that because they were dancing a Bulgarian dance on the Croatian festival, you know, makes my stomach, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I re doesn't make me. Yeah, I'm still fighting. It's not easy to fight. But you know what? I always said, you know what? If you earn respect, people will listen to you. And that's, yeah. I don't think so then I will change, ever change in the Pittsburgh community because Tamburitsans is so strong. They're active for 85 years. But it's, yeah, some, when I'm around, they will not play anything else than Croatian music here in Pittsburgh. Mm. Anyway. Well, that's sort of, um another brings up another question I wanted to ask about how do you when you're teaching these you know Croatian dances say in the US and Pittsburgh are you adjusting them at all to be I don't know more modern or more yeah. American or no are you keeping exactly the same I I'm a strong believer in the traditional folk art okay uh, I always, in my choreographies, I always use the traditional folk steps, traditional music, uh, traditional instruments, but uh, I did change through the years a little bit. Um, and when I came here, uh, I would put one choreography together like eight, nine minutes long. And it was usually three or four different um, dances. So today I'm doing much shorter choreographies, about six minutes long, and I have like seven or eight different parts. First of all, everything is go it's faster today. The life is moving. Everything is faster than was like 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't change traditional steps. I just speed up a little bit everything. I'm not talking about tempo, I'm talking about the parts of the choreography. The other thing to compete with different nationalities, especially like, like I'm talking now about the Tamburitsans ensemble in Pittsburgh, who present all Eastern Europe and further now, they went to other countries like Scandinavia, Italy and everything. I have to compete with them. 
because the Ukrainian choreographer who comes with the, these elements who are not folkloristic, but they're beautiful and uh, um, challenging uh, challenges in the, the dance movements and stuff, I do have to go a little bit forward with in creations of my stage choreographies on stage. Mm -hmm. uh, I still am very, very earthy, traditional, but as a professional choreographer, when I was asked about six years ago to put the modern choreography for tamborizans, I did, and it was like uh, almost the third world war in the, uh, uh -huh. uh, the community. But you know what? Um, every step, I did a fusion choreography, very modern, with a, um, a computer sound in the beginning and very, very, like a lot of drums, rhythm, stuff like that. Costume was done. Costume was done by lady from Slovakia. Um, and the only thing close to our culture was red and white, but actually they look like Armenian costumes. Uh, but I'm professional. I was asked to do that. I, I told director, then I think then we will disturb a lot of people here. But you know what? It was a beautiful set with every step, traditional step. I made a modern choreography. So sometimes I have to do this, but I do prefer traditional folklore. Hmm. I see. And you brought up um, the costumes and different costumes. Mm -hmm. From what I've heard in Croatia, it changes from village to village and from you know area to area, the costumes, as well as even the dances themselves, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. So how do you yeah. decide w what elements from what parts of Croatia to bring in? It, it depends. If I have an open hands <clears throat> to decide what to do, this depends who, what kind of talent I have. So if it's a very talented group like Tamburitsans or um, like um, some groups that I work with for 35 years, uh, like uh, Kraljica Jelena from Kitchener, or even Los Angeles group, now I'm with them for 25 years, then I make decision or talk to directors over there what we're gonna do. So every region has a different dances, every village has a different dances, every village has a different dances through the year to the, uh, depends if it's a Easter time, Christmas time, harvest, so everything is different. This is why, it, how I decide what to do. Every region has hundreds and hundreds of different variations of the steps, costumes. And I said, you know what, I did study ethnomusicology in Zagreb for uh, two years. Uh, I don't think so than any country in the world and I'm not saying this because I'm just Croatian, you know what, because I do my presentations on universities here and stuff. I don't think so that any country has so many different types of the costumes in one small regia, region like Pokuplje. And you know why? Because everybody wanted to be, everybody wanted Croatia all the time. And you know what, so every, People, every different nationalities who occupied us, like Hungarians, Italians, French, Turkish, everybody brought a little bit in Croatia, our land, and they left that. So we adapted, we took, so this is why in one Pokuplje, let's say in Jastrebarsko, in this little area, in like 20 different villages, you have like 
50, 60 different types of costumes. Wow. No other country has that. It's just, um, it's mind blowing, you know, like how, how traditional, our traditions is rich and many people, they don't know that. What are some of your favorite um, styles from which regions or costumes as well? I cannot say that because people will kill me. Ah. You know, <laughs> That's <know>. true. <laughs> I can't say that. I'll say, you know what, if somebody asks me, can you do something for Slavonia, Eastern Slavonia, Middle Slavonia, so then I do the best what I can, you know, and I take the... Mm. And you know what, I did a lot of research. That's one thing. Um, I was lucky enough when I came to the United States and I got uh, grants from the different artistic cultural organizations like uh, um, Pennsylvania Art Council gave me grants. Um, like I got $5,000 like 30 years ago, go to Croatia, do the research, and when you come back, put something on stage that nobody did. This is what I did. And I bought a lot of costumes, then actually many, a lot of costumes I preserved here, bringing here, because during the last war, like in village of Komletins, it was at, by Vinkovci, it was almost level. And two weeks before I was there, and I took two suitcases full of costumes here. So I preserved these costumes. I saved them. Do you understand? Mm, yeah. And these costumes are going back to Croatia. So mm. I'm donating them now. I have everything what I collect, everything what I have here, and I have a lot. My libraries, my like costume wise, I'm gonna give back everything back to Croatia. Wow, and that'll be in a museum or to Lado? Or you know, what? I have a pieces and they will go, some pieces that I know then for sure that they can go in Lado or they can go at the Ethnographic Museum in Zagreb. Mm. Yeah, some, I have some really un, yeah, great examples of our, some costumes that I have like it's over 100 years old, so. Wow. And the other thing what I really did um, uh, during the war, I couldn't go really to, Cro to Croatia at that time, Yugoslavia. So I did a lot of, a lot of research, Croatians out of the Croatia. Actually, when I was still in Zagreb, in Lado, I was teaching the Burgenland Croats in Austria. And so I was every month there for a weekend. So I learned a lot and during the war, I went to Burgenland, uh, I went to Hungary, I went to Romania, spent seven days, ten days in Romania with villages over there. And it was for me, you know what, it was just amazing that somebody who left Croatia 300, 400 years ago, they speak, still speak Croatian in the dialect, but they still speak. So I did preserve a lot of these materials, I did a lot of recordings, audio and video recordings. And now just we have to organize all that and just share with right organizations because in that way we're going to preserve our culture for more than one generation. So. Yeah. Well, that, Jelko, that brings me to, I mean, my final question here as we're running low on time. Um, but I wanted to ask you, why is it important for you to preserve, you know, this aspect of Croatian culture? I always said traditions can be preserved one generation at a time. Mm -hmm. And that sentence says everything. If I don't do that, you see, I dedicate my life and I'm getting emotional now. 
to preserve my culture. Many, many of my colleagues just go, you know, around and they put the choreography together to get money and, you know, that's it. For me, it's a totally different. You know what? Uh, I, I, I just gave to myself and I left Croatia. I said, what I will do, I will promote my country and my culture around the world. And, and it's one thing, you see, if I, if, yeah. And I always do 100% my job. And this is why I never ask for one job in 37 years and I'm out. I, I cannot do everything what people ask me. And this will tell you something. I, I really, my heart is in that. And this is it. And this is my duty. Before I die, I have to leave something to the world. Hmm. That's very powerful. Yes, yes, you know about, and as I said, I go to Japan and I'm treated like a celebrity and, you know, because, because I, these people in Japan who really couldn't understand, I'm teaching in Japan or mostly on English, but a little bit of Japanese than I have learned through the years, wow. but you know what, they can feel my passion for my culture and that's why, you know, they, they love me. So this, hmm. and that's answers everything and I always said you know what I have over 70 couples they got married on American continent and okay Canada United States then they met in my groups when I was teaching hmm. so you know what that's something that's also achievement when you have a 70 couples you know and I know that these people they're bringing me kids again to teach them and yeah, I prolong one generation, do you understand, of preserving our culture. Mm -hmm. Well, even more than one, it sounds like they're bringing their kids, maybe even yes. grandkids someday. Yes. Yep, I do have, and you know what, and my adult group in Pittsburgh, because I have some adult groups too, I had the three generations on stage. And that's, wow. that's and you know what, I just smile. It's no words to explain that, you just smile. Yeah, well, I think one of the great things about the Croatian culture globally is how, I mean, the diaspora all around the world is really, you know, trying to preserve the Croatian culture and the traditions. You can find Croatian you, communities all over the world. Yeah, you know, the diaspora, you know what, I get angry, you know what, because I really don't have a filter. I get angry with some critiques from the, oh, Croatia, when they try to judge people in diaspora. I think diaspora here, we preserved more and we are stronger than people in the Croatia, except a couple uh, amateur groups, very good groups and stuff. Here people drive to the, first of all, we are not sponsored by government, city or anything out of Croatia. We all have to do fundraisers to group to survive. Mm -hmm. People drive for hour and a half for rehearsal and then drive hour and a half home. They were born here. They don't speak the language sometimes, you, you understand? But they also, you know what, they do so much. Then I think that the diaspora will preserve more and did preserve more than, the, than in the homeland. Mm. This wow. is why I like you, you're absolutely right. You, you remind me about that. We are doing amazing job here. You know what, amazing job, when you go on the festival and you see 700 kids, young people on stage, when I was 
conductor in Chicago for CFU, I had 750 kids, youngsters, on stage conducting. They were born here, they sing in Croatian songs. That's, that's amazing, isn't this? Hmm. It really is, yeah. That's, I mean, the diaspora's love for Croatia is so strong, I feel like. It is. It, I, you know what, I always said, you know, that my great friend in Los Angeles, Heidi Granich, I worked with her with, for, for years, you know, we just sit in the, like, when it, we have a Los Angeles festival in February, we start 15 years ago, we just sit in the corner and we just look at each other, we smile. Because, you know what, California didn't have a festival. And so everything was happening on the eastern side of the country country and we decide to do that you know what and we achieved we have a people from new zealand coming from canada from all over the united states in february in los angeles extravaganza and we just look at each other we smile because we start so we put a little seed in these people hearts and yeah we're gonna survive for next 20 more years hmm. and wow. that's a goal that's my goal in my life Oh, yeah, that's that's very powerful and um, it gives us a lot to think about. You know, Jelko, I really want to thank you again for taking the time to do this interview with me and to come on the podcast. Um, I learned a lot and you're making me want to dance. You know, I've never been much of a dancer, but now I'm excited. You know what? Never too late to start dancing. And thank you for having me. And I'm sorry if I didn't go, you know, the jumping from subject to subject, but you see, when I talk about my traditions, I just get excited. <laughs> I see that. I see that. You're very passionate. <laughs> yes, I am. And this is what one thing, you know, so you can always see, and you probably met some of my f former dancers, when they see me, these Cvetkovic brothers and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that, when they see me, they get, I always get the biggest hug ever, and this hug says everything. In the moment, sometimes they didn't like me because I was, I'm strict. <laughs> but you know what? Today, they love me. <laughs> I think they're they're coming to Croatia here in August and I'll probably see them. I'm here now. So I'll see them when they come this summer and I'll have to ask them about you. Uh, <laughs> have them please teach ask me them. You know what? I will be in Croatia in two weeks uh, for like six weeks. And uh, so let's meet and let's talk. Let's have a little shot of a glass of medicine, how I call it. <laughs> <laughs> glass of medicine, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much, Jelko. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you, buddy, for having me, okay? That's it for today's episode of the All Things Croatia podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you all enjoyed it. You can subscribe to the Patreon and check out the All Things Croatia Instagram page to stay updated. Feel free to reach out to me with any questions, tips, or ideas, and make sure to tune back in to the next episode. Thanks again, and vidimo se!